0: blessed songs mommy's here daddy's gone broken promises gin and rye all the mean and hurtful things that make baby jesus cry hello and welcome to movies with gravy a podcast where we discuss under the radar new releases and the films we believe inspire them except times like today When we discuss very on-the-radar new releases, just because we want to shoot the shit about them. And today, we are diving into a beloved horror franchise that also happens to be very relevant, given that the reimagining of the flagship entry of that franchise just topped the box office, making the director, Nia DaCosta, the first Black female director to ever have a number one film at the box office. Of course, that franchise is Candyman. And we are discussing the original film, the reimagining, and all those pesky sequels. And joining us for this discussion, because who doesn't want to hear two cis white guys in their 30s talk about a franchise that deals with race? He's the vice president of acquisitions for Highland Film Group, formerly a Freestyle Digital Releasing. And just because he looks like he could have played drums in an early aughts emo band doesn't mean he actually did. <laughs> Say his name five times in a microphone and he will appear, Caleb, Caleb, Caleb. Caleb,
1: Caleb Ward. How was that for an intro? That was, that's the best and probably uh, only intro I'll ever have like that. Uh, truly. Yeah.
0: Wow. i, I myself I'm speechless.
1: How did you know that I played drums in an emo band? You did your research. I didn't know that. Oh
0: my God. Wow. That I did is, not know that.
1: I was like, wow, he like really did a deep dive to like pull that nonsense out. See, I feel, I
0: feel really proud of myself now because I just got that emo drummer vibe.
1: Yeah, wow. I really am just sort of like an easy read. And I don't think I realized that until right now. Wait a second though. It's worse though, it's worse though. Because I was in an emo band and we were called, what was our, our, we were called Abraham Lincoln professional wrestler. Um, And we were terrible. (laughs) We played two shows and they were awful and i think they were like 10 people at each show uh but the worst thing is that i was a drummer at like when like ava brothers and mumford and sons and all that bullshit was really popular i was in a folk band and we were called brother and the harmony <laughs> okay now that's even worse than like i listened to emo like
0: i'd I'm, I'm be like emo awesome I can't really excuse other than the Ted Lasso references. I can't excuse a Mumford and Sons. Story. No, no.
1: Uh, I, I have like, I mean, I. There are videos on the internet, and like, thankfully, we never like actually recorded anything, so it doesn't exist in the world. Like, you gotta really hunt for it if you want to find that, uh, and it's like kind of impossible to. There is like one other piece of like. Of like musical trivia about me that like maybe I'll reveal later on in the episode. We'll see. I don't know. If I get if I feel a little loosey-goosey and I'm like, you know what, that makes sense. I'm gonna like drop this piece of knowledge right now. Who knows? But like I have a sordid musical career in my background. So I'm hoping I don't get enough questions about it. I'm hoping that this uh, bombshell that
0: you're gonna drop, you're just gonna casually mention, oh yeah, you know, I was in a Philip Blass cover band and we just (laughs) Philip Blass songs all night and it was. And, and we were called uh, the candy men. We were, we were called the Koyana Scotsies. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I have to ask you also about this because A, it's the name of my podcast and B, you're in North Carolina right now. So it only makes sense uh, to am. ask you about gravy and your relationship with gravy and your feelings towards gravy.
1: I have, I have a deep respect and love for gravy all kinds of gravy i love wow. sausage gravy i love gravy on mashed potatoes but i think what i uh, what i love the most what kind of gravy i love the most is my dad was in the military, and when he was in the military, he made this thing called tomato gravy. Yeah, I know. Yep, it, you know about this. Okay, yes, not I a lot do. Of people do. I sure. It did. is you're 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 from the south, so you get this. You know, yep. uh, it is a very southern dish. Yes, and it's basically um, it's basically uh, like stew, tomato stew, basically yep. with like dried bacon bits mm-hmm. and like a little bit of flour to like thicken up the gravy and then it's just plastered over over biscuits and it is the greatest thing on yep. planet earth um you're, I love the, it so. you're the first
0: person i think i've ever talked to is just casually dropped tomato gravy there's a great place really near where i live called the wildflower cafe it is in mentone alabama run by these feisty lesbians <laughs> and they make a bomb ass tomato pie, but they cover their tomato pie with tomato gravy. With
1: tomato gravy? Yes. Oh,
0: and it is so dude, good. I'm I in. I ride hard for tomato pies. Oh, I'm so in. Yeah, but their tomato gravy
1: is off the chain. It's delicious. Oh, I never made it. I never made it myself. I have only made it a couple of times because like I'll never be able to make it as good as my dad makes it, but like. I've, I've never heard of it outside of my house. Yeah. Like, no, anytime I've ever met, you're the first person I've ever talked about tomato gravy with, and you knew what it was. That's well, you know, fucking amazing. When you when you create a podcast
0: with gravy in the title, you'd better know your fucking gravy. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, you really have to come correct. You know, there ain't no such thing as halfway crux, especially when it comes to gravy. Oh, absol-
0: absolutely not. And, you know, I did have someone mention to me sauerkraut gravy, which I've never heard of I can find no traces of it existing so that was a gravy that I genuinely think that person's family member just just created it out of just like
1: just like made it out of like whatever they had and I feel like that's like the most like as far as like family recipes of like oh we passed down this recipe for years and years and years it's like some great 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 grandmother was just like I've got a can of beans Fourteen paper clips and like a little bit of soda water and like now that's what we have every year for Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, it's just like yeah. it's it's insane. Like what and that gets passed down for generations yeah. and now it's at some like you know hip restaurant in like you know Brooklyn. Well, and gravy,
0: I like to think it's one of those unique things where everybody has their own take on it, and so totally. you can kind of do a. Mil- it's like vodka because you can make it with anything. <laughs> <laughs> like you can make vodka with anything, you can make gravy with anything. Like right. I, I, I can true. make rye
1: whiskey gravy and I'm Easier. sure it would be delicious or it would at least get me drunk. I would actually really like that actually. Um, that sounds amazing. And you're <laughs> a phenomenal cook. So like, thank you. I, I try. I try. I mean, it all looks good, you know? So like, I think I'm a good cook, but my shoot, it looks terrible. Like uh, my food uh, does not look good, but it is. Well, see, the best
0: thing that I make is a tater tot casserole. And it looks like it's probably the worst thing you're going to eat, but it's actually (laughs) the most delicious. It's actually, I might have told this story, so I don't want to repeat myself 30 times on this podcast, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, (laughs) But I got my recipe for tater tot casserole came from my old lunch lady, who... Every other Friday, because our, our lunch room was all home-cooked, like it was no process. We had a oh, line wow, using, like the square pizzas and stuff, but sure we also had, am. we had sort of a meat and three line where you could get all home-cooked stuff. Right. And every other Friday they'd do tater tot casserole. And I would go back for seconds and thirds and she knew how much I loved it. So when I graduated, she framed the recipe for me and that was my graduation. Wow. It didn't hurt that she used to
1: go out with my father, but... <coughs> that's another that's a whole other story so you've got like the family book of recipes yeah did, you, did your dad take that when they split uh no 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 he didn't <laughs> i think
0: i think her i think she perfected her tater tot casserole maybe it was him breaking up with her that okay. gave her the emotional fuel to create the tater tot casserole she's like a regular julia Childs. she
1: is except her name is Zelda. Felda Child. Fel, Felda <laughs> I, lo- Childs. I love. I mean, like, I could go. I know we're like really like going off the rails here, but like, <laughs> I, I like, I've been in North Carolina now for like three weeks, and I miss. And I've been in LA for five years. I miss southern names. Yes. Like Felda, you know. Yeah. And like, I, <clears throat> I, I just like miss that. You know, it's like there's, there's a billion like Rosses and and Joshes and Billys, and you know, yep. but it's like. Like Zelda, that's a yes, name.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love like, that. Like my great aunt Opal, or my great aunt Opal
1: great. Yeah, my great aunt
0: Felinda, like
1: all of the great. My grandmother's great name was uh, Ludia. Ludia. L u d i a. Ludia. Ludia, Ludia yep. Ward. Yep. My grandmother I've never was another Ludia. Was Maddie. M a t t i e. M a t t i e. Okay. Maddie. Yep. And all right. Weird Southern stories. It's just so fun. The South is great sometimes. It really?
0: Well, yeah, that's what I always say. <laughs> People always ask me, it's like, well, did you hate growing up in the South? I was like, no, I loved growing no. up in the South. I had an amazing childhood. I loved it. But how stoked but, are you that you got out? <laughs> exactly. I loved it. I love going back for brief visits. Right. Um, But I do I ever want to move back to the South? <laughs> I Probably not. I, there, I go certain, back and
1: forth on I it. I never say know? never.
0: Never say never. Yeah.
1: There are some days where I'm like, where I'm just like absolutely just like covered in all the like bullshit of the day and I'm like you know what I'm gonna like sell everything I own and like move to the Outer Banks and just like run a surf shop you know and like that'll be my thing you know and in the winter time I'll like work at a restaurant and like that'll be my life you know once a month I probably have that thought I have that thought occasionally because I'm like how much easier would life be if I lived in the south just you see people that like don't work in in the entertainment industry they're so happy yeah
0: yeah i've had so many friends who you know during the exodus from la during COVID, mm-hmm. who moved yes. to the south and moved to atlanta and they're so much happier like they're just <laughs> life increased so much tenfold yeah. because they moved out of la and i'm like mm-hmm. i moved out of la recently too but i loved la i
1: just yeah. i just i was yeah, like an opportunity of yeah. course and, and i'm like it took you ready there you go yeah um, Oh, I, move back I had to a lot LA? of folks yeah. leave yeah i had a lot of folks i had a lot of friends leave like new or they went to new orleans and uh oklahoma city uh portland maine like i mean all over the country just like they're like abandoned ship like a lot of folks who like worked in like music touring or like like big physical like in-person things that were just like non-existent for you know 16 17 months
0: yeah um Well, we've gone on enough of a tangent about growing up in the South, even though we could just talk another hour about it. Um, true. But we might as well dive into the topic of this episode. And I'm going to do it by just sort of asking, so what, how did you come into the original Candyman? Were you a horror kid? Like, were you big into genre films? And how did that come to you?
1: I was the furthest thing from a horror kid Uh growing up um i was scared of everything i'm from a really intensely religious family my dad is a pastor my mom worked at the church uh so that's my background it was like church monday wednesday friday sunday you know like that was it so like demons were real satan was real (laughs) all of that stuff and i was like oh so the movies are also real and it's just like i was scared of everything like the dark like, being alone, just like, oh, scared of everything. So, like, I didn't start watching horror films until I was probably, gosh, how old was I? I was probably, like, 14 or 15. And the first horror movie I ever watched, it wasn't Candyman, um, the first horror movie I ever watched was Freddy vs. Jason. And that is a proud fact. I love that movie unabashedly. I ride for it. I have a massive poster of it that my girlfriend will not let me hang up in our apartment. I almost got away with it and I had it in my office for like a month uh, and then it came down very quickly. Um, <laughs> so I was not a horror kid at all. But um, one once I watched that first movie, I was like, oh, horror movies are like kind of funny. Like genre has this like air of comedy or just this like lightness to it because if you start to take it too aggressively, seriously, it just kind of loses its effect. And so like, that's why I feel like some of the, some of the best horror films have that air of humor to it. Um, And I'd say even so with like, even so with, especially with the Candyman franchise, and even I would say parts of the reimagining or spiritual sequel or whatever you want to call it for this, um, for this, this, the new one that just came out. so I watched Candyman for the first time um, probably about 10 years ago. Uh, I, with some friends, we decided to watch all of the like, like horror villain icon movies. It's like a marathon. So like you know, Friday the 13th, Scream, Halloween, uh, Candyman, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, you know, all the greats. Like, I think we watched Leprechaun as well. Um, and and for the longest time, that was the only one I had seen. I loved it, obviously, um, because Candyman, the original, the 1992 version is sort of this like beautiful homage to now in 2021, a version of Chicago that just like doesn't exist anymore. And there weren't a lot of movies in the like late 80s, early 90s that showed that side of Chicago and it really does kind of stand as like a time capsule. Um, and so I just remember like, and like Tony Todd is just like, fucking iconic as as Dan Robitaille and as Candyman. Um, and like his voice and he's sexy and it's erotic. And it's just like, you just wanna like listen to him. And like, you know, obviously they do some work with his voice, but like I met, I had the opportunity to meet Tony years ago in denver when i was working for the denver film society he had a movie that played at the theater and he came one night sweetest man on earth absolute sweetheart um but terrifying because he sounds like Candyman all the time yeah so that was kind of my intro to Candyman. was like i you know like i watched it like 10 years ago and it's always been like a fun one that i come back to every couple of years um but as far as like you know because over the last like Again, over the last ten years, there there have been a lot of reimaginings, reboots of older IP. You know, whether it's you know the new Halloweens or the Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street, I have not been so excited for a reimagining of a character um, like I've been for Candyman for the last now two almost three years. Yeah. um because i was a huge fan of little woods i love little yeah, woods me too Me too. um you know and so uh, as soon as as soon as they started talking about nia da costa coming on to you know write co-write and direct this version i was like i'm in sold i'll be there like day one you know um so yeah i've been excited for it yeah yeah, I mean, and that's a, that's sort of a good
0: segue into the sort of reimagining and the film that just came out. Um, so yeah, and same thing as you, like Candyman has always sort of been one of my favorites in terms of like the big franchise characters. I oh. saw it in theaters when it came out. I was ten years old. My parents used to let me see anything I wanted to, and so I went and saw Candyman. And you know, I I didn't have those kind of like reactions to horror films in terms of getting crazily scared. So like, sure. I just adored it. And, um, and it was so unlike any other horror film I'd ever seen because it felt like a legit movie. Like it felt like yes. someone was trying to actually create cinema and it just happened yeah. to be a horror film. And um, and so I've been a big fan of that property ever since. You know, the sequels that came along, we'll get into those later for better yeah, or for yeah. worse. Um, and I hope I, you've only reserved five minutes for us starting. <laughs> yeah, we don't have much time for those. Um, <laughs> And then as soon as I heard about the reboot, I was excited. Uh, You know, I love Little Woods. I've met Nia and and talked with her a couple of times and she's just the most like genuine and wonderful person. And so I was excited on so many levels for this remake because I I also am someone who I really like it when, you know, sort of outside the box choices are picked for like horror films like that because I don't, I mean, I'm always interested to see non-horror filmmakers
1: take on horror properties because I think they bring interesting sort of, perspectives to it and that's how i felt when when like get out was being advertised because like i feel like people who work again kind of going back to what i was saying as far as like humor in horror also like humor going into horror i think is is phenomenal so like when they like when people started talking about jordan peele doing get out i was like that's gonna be fucking great that's gonna be great because people that work in comedy get horror there's something that they're able to tap into i was like that's gonna be so good you know so yeah yeah absolutely but but also kind of going back to what you were just saying about like the original feeling like like cinema like it's this is like a piece of art you know yeah um and my favorite piece of trivia about that movie is is the score i'm a huge score nerd i have this like i have this playlist of like 164 hours of like curated scores on spotify that is absurd like a friend uh asked me to like put together a playlist for her of just like hey she was like you know scores like i want something to listen to at work and i was like great And it has just really gone off the rails. (laughs) Um, So, like, I love learning about like how you know how scores come together, and 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 I definitely want to talk about the score in the new one as well because it sort of takes a similar angle. Philip Glass, like, you would not have thought of him doing the score for a horror film. And my favorite thing about Candy, the 1992 Candyman, is that he had no idea what that movie was going to be, and like created this beautiful score that like takes its so it takes references from Koyaanisqatsi and um and, uh, you know, some of the other work that he's done um, more in sort of like the classical performative pieces. And like when he finally saw the movie, was just like, what is this? What yeah. have what I done? Oh my God. But like that score is one of my favorite, not just my, one of my favorite horror scores, but one of my favorite scores of all time. Oh, it's,
0: it's, an, it's an amazing score and it's it makes the film operatic in a way. That mm. you you wouldn't otherwise expect with a horror film, and and the material itself all I mean the material itself has an operatic sort of quality to it as well absolutely and the that's very why Gothic. I, yeah and it blends so well together because of that score and yeah I, I it's I mean I've said this to people before I do I think Candyman is the most cinematic horror film ever made because I think it yeah. is so visual and Bernard Rose had such has such a grasp on visuals and striking imagery. And like, and all of his films, even like, you know, I adore Paper House. I think it's one of the one of my favorite films from that period, which also has this sort of operatic feel to it. And I think that's just built into him as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I the, it's interesting. You mentioned the score of the new one, which we'll, we'll get into. So let me, I'll give yeah. people a little sort of rundown. So the new film takes place in present day Chicago. Uh, you've got a Yahya Abdul Mateen II who uh, plays uh, Anthony McCoy, who is a visual artist. Uh, he is in a relationship with, a, a girl named Brianna who is, um, manages an art gallery. And, um, and basically he, it's basically about him sort of trying to figure out what his next work is going to be. And in doing so, he sort of becomes obsessed with the Candyman legend. And there are a lot of things, you know, there are a lot of sort of reveals that happen that I don't want to give away because I don't want to take away that from the film. Like there are some, like you learn things about certain characters and, It definitely has an allegiance to the original film. It is definitely a spiritual sequel or reimagining. I don't. I mean, you could certainly make the case that it's a sequel. You absolutely can make that case. I I
1: think it almost demands a rewatching of the original to really get the full experience. Yeah, absolutely of of the new one. Yeah, I think it really does. Like, ask you because I I've I've seen it twice now. I've seen the new one twice. Yeah, um, I went by myself on Thursday night, and then I went with a friend Friday night. And the friend I went with had not had never seen the original, so it was really interesting to have sort of have that take, you know, of like, oh, did you were you picking up on things and like, you know, and 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 like he went back and like were you and watched the original afterwards and was like, oh my god, I like have so much more of an appreciation for it, you know. Yeah. And, you know,
0: as a sort of continuation of that first film, in terms of, in terms of, I I hate to use the word fan service, but in terms of fan service, I do think it does a good job in terms of, it it certainly, it certainly stakes its claim as something very different than the first film, but it's also very loyal to uh, the stories. Like what I love about it is what, one of my, one of my thing one of the things that can sometimes rub me the wrong way is like, when filmmakers decide that they're just going to disregard a whole filmography. I mean, right. I, yeah, I get it. Like, look, I understand why if you're making the new Halloween film, you maybe want to forget that four and five and six and seven. Like, we I, can talk about that. I
1: mean, I have lots of thoughts yes, on that, but that's a yes. whole
0: other episode. Absolutely. And so, <laughs> but that said, I, I generally have an issue with people who are like, we're just going to disregard it. And what I like about the new Candyman is, is that they don't disregard the legacy. Like, Yes. there are there are there are a lot there are things in this film that make you realize that the second film happened and that even the third yes. film happened and it's like yes that's that's okay like the fact that they they decided to do that made me really happy now yeah. that said didn't really care for the film <laughs> got it so okay. i figured you would be someone interesting I... to discuss this with because i feel like maybe you did enjoy it so
1: i i enjoy i enjoyed the ride the entire way i have thought about that movie i've thought about Candyman not just because i knew we were going to talk about it but like i have thought about it more than i've thought about most movies i've seen this year which i in if that's if like creating a conversation and i've like talked about it with a lot of people already if like creating a conversation and like making it a point of contention between some folks of like let's talk about this and what does this mean and what is the overarching theme and like what are they trying to get at and like I, I was like in that regard i was like i enjoyed my time i have issues with the third act i have i have issues with it because being in in the world that i'm in as far as like what i do more on like development and yeah. and producing I see the, I started to see the, the seams a bit, um, about two thirds of the way in. I started to see, oh, wow, I can see where they're starting to trim stuff out. They were really trying to keep it under 90 minutes here, you know, um, which I think does a bit of a disservice because it really does kind of end very abruptly. Um, which was one of my biggest qualms with it. Like, yeah yeah there I, is not a, there is not a lot of candy man in Candyman in the 2021 candy man he has probably the least amount of screen time out of any of them absolutely and and one of my
0: big issues with that with so yeah i i have big issues with the the, the third act of that film because i don't believe there's an actual climax frankly yeah and i feel like two-thirds of the way through the film they were just like okay we got to end this thing and then right. it's like, so the ending comes at yeah. such a, such a, I mean, it just great slams at you. Yeah. yeah, and now, now that said, I think the last 10 to 15 seconds of the film are beautiful and such a great way yeah. to end that film. But the 15 minutes before that felt very struggle rushed Yeah. And very throw together. Now I will say, so in terms of like the themes of this, because let me, let me also preface by saying, I fully recognize- That with a film like Candyman that is talking Mm. about the things it's talking about, my voice isn't as important as a lot of other voices. It just isn't. Like, Mm. I I respect that and I understand that. But that said, you know, the new film, you know, the original film, while it dealt with things like,
1: Mm.
0: you know, it it, it certainly dealt with race and class and it it, it dealt with those things. This film certainly is all about that. Yeah. And I like what it's going for. Like, I like this idea about uh, essentially this mythology sort of Mm -hmm. basically being created to protect a community to some extent. Yeah. Like, that's really interesting. And that's a fascinating idea. That said,
1: I don't think they do enough with that idea. I completely agree. I completely agree. It felt at a certain point I had this shift in my mind where I went, oh, holy shit, this is a superhero origin story yeah. that we're watching, Yeah, you know? As soon as Burke starts talking about what Candyman is, you know, and he has that great line where he's like, you know, he's the whole damn hive. Yeah. Uh, which, which, like, side note, let's talk about how fucking phenomenal Coleman Domingo yeah. is and Yaya Madul. Uh, 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 sorry. Uh, Yaya and Coleman are absolutely phenomenal in it. And Tiana Paris. Um, they are all three just chewing up the scenery. Um, I would watch them peel an apple for an hour. You know, it's it, they're so captivating. Um, but like, as soon as Burke has that shift, that really drastic shift, and almost kind of stumbles through, oh, very quickly explaining why he's doing the thing that he's, you know, it's that yes. classic like supervillain moment of like, yeah. now let me tell you my plan. I, needed to see it a second time because i really missed a lot the first time yeah. you know and maybe i'm maybe i'm stupid that could be true but like there were there were parts in that third act that i was like wait 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 i want to understand this i so desperately love this idea of he is like we we have to perpetuate this because if we don't then who's going to protect us but like it's almost like he's trying to he's trying to like cultivate this being that almost isn't needed anymore you know yeah it's like it's very it's very confusing it's very conflicting too and i go yeah. back and
0: forth on it a lot you yeah know?
1: and i i
0: will challenge one thing you said there only because that's a podcast that's what we do i so i one of my issues with this film is and it is less of but one of my issues with this film is is you know, it's hard to say wh- wh- who Nia Dacosta is as a filmmaker because she has she doesn't have a huge body of work.
1: Sure, but I, I, she's got the two features, That's right? It. But I've yeah. seen
0: those and and I've spoken yep. with and I've spoken with her and I know how thoughtful she is and how intelligent and how like and and how together she is. And right. this just did not feel like a Nia Dacosta film to me. It felt like a Jordan Peele film. And my issue with that is, mm-hmm. and I, I like Jordan Peele. I didn't Good. I wasn't a Get Out fan. I didn't love Get Out. I did love Us. I thought Us, to me, is my favorite film of his. But that said, some of the issues I had with Us are the exact issues I had with here, which is that there are- Interesting. There are performance problems for me in Jordan Peele films, and and they've been in every film. And in Us, I I had a big issue with the Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss characters and how they were used, how (laughs) they were pitched. And like that, just felt wrong to me in the confines of that mm-hmm. film. And I had that issue with this film a little bit too, especially with that couple in the beginning and the art gallery. Sure, it the, it felt it almost the felt art gallery
1: am- scene is it, it, it is a little uh, like amateurish at times. Yeah, like that's that's what them. it felt like. like. And yeah, and I, and I also
0: and I hate to say this because I adored him on The Watchmen, but I was not enamored. By Yahya Abdul Mateen's performance, like I now I love Tayana Paris. Like I've mm-hmm. I've been sort of obsessed with her since Chirac. Yeah. I think she yep. is tremendous. I think like she to me is like the heart and soul of the film. Like she is what I latch onto as yeah. a character. And so I certainly pr- would have preferred. I would have rather it been a film about
1: her. Well, it's interesting that you say that because every other Candyman movie has had a female protagonist. Yeah. And this is the first time that it is, it is a male protagonist, um, which I think I agree with you. I think kind of does it a little bit of a disservice. And I see why they did that. I mean, there's a reveal that happens
0: again that I won't give away. I see why they made it a male character. And, mm. um, and, and I don't think there's anything. I don't know that it's that that couldn't have worked. It's just there's something about his part of it is is not for one second did I buy him as an artist. Not for one second did I buy him as an artist. Like you didn't it, buy it with his
1: with his little cap that he wears all the time. No. Like everything he but what did, about like, his, his camera that he wears uh, uh, over his shoulder? Well, that's, that's it, the thing is is that not what an artist all he they, didn't have they any did tattoos, that's
0: his problem. I get it. I just well, no, no, then he would have been an emo drummer. Um <laughs> No, but 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 like literally like that's what the problem was is like everything they mm. did to try to show you he was an artist is the most stereotypical yeah. i'm an yeah. artist he's basically mark from rent like that's essentially who he is in this movie <laughs> and i'm like and that bugged me because i just never bought him as an artist in any way shape or form now i didn't necessarily buy tayana paris as an art gallery manager either but i do think she pulled it off a little better sure. but like that was part of it because and part of it is if you're going to make a movie that is sort of commenting on the art world, which this film definitely is, it, it's very mm. satirical even at moments about the art world. If you're going to mm. do that, you need to understand the world that you're going at. And I just don't yeah. feel like this film really understood that. I had the same issue with Velvet Buzzsaw. Like, oh, you God. If you're going to go at that, you've got to have... Fire. Yeah, like, you've got to know it. And I didn't feel like this film knew it. It just felt like a vessel to sort of get through what
1: they wanted to do. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. I mean, well, Velvet Buzzsaw, that's a movie, like, that feels like it was written by someone who, like, went to MoMA once and was like, got it. Um, But, you you know, there are – I want to talk about the performance stuff, too, because I I agree – there are, uh, there are, there is an imbalance in Jordan Peele produced and slash directed material and written as well. Um, you know, because he was a co-writer on this, um, where there are people that are like fully committing and doing the best work, and then there are these, you know, side characters that almost feel like they didn't get a rehearsal take, like they like got one take and they're like, okay, great. We're moving on. You know? Yeah. Um, Where I was just like, I I mean, I feel bad because, you know, he's just, he's a young kid and, you know, I, I I didn't recognize him from anything else, but the kid who plays young Burke really bugged me. Yeah. All the stuff with all the flashback stuff with young Burke really bugged me. Felt really bad. Felt really, really, really bad. And like, kind of lost me, uh, to sure. the point where I was like, I could do without this, you know? Um, I got the setup, like I got it in the, in the opening sequence with him and Sherman coming out of the wall, um, which that's in the trailer. I don't think I'm spoiling that. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, I got it at that point. I was like, cool. I know who this is. And I've established his connection with Candyman. You know, he feels guilty for what happened. Um, but everything else with him was just like tough to watch um and i felt the same way about the guy yeah i felt the same way about the guy in the art gallery and the girl in the art gallery it was yeah. just like a little i was just like all right i i see your purpose you got to be stupid and dumb and shitty so like we don't feel bad when you get killed off and we're kind of rooting for you to get killed um you know which that which like i feel like we should also talk about like the actual like kill scenes that's like a fun thing yeah um yeah. that uh you know just like the OG Candyman's have great kill scenes. Yeah. And I was like less than thrilled with the kill scenes in in the new one, except for one very cool one. And I think we're probably
0: thinking about the same we one. We have
1: there's Is it is, it the, is it the art critics so, department? Uh, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah I like yeah. I like almost stood up out of my chair was just like, this is great. It just made me feel the same way I felt like in The Invisible Man with the dinner scene. Same thing I thought of. Same exact thing I was thinking of when I saw it. It I rarely will like, I rarely will like make noise in a movie, like outside of like laughing, you know? But like, I'll rarely make noise in a movie, but like the the Invisible Man scene, dinner scene, and the art critic in her apartment scene, I like guffawed at at those sequences. It was just like, this is so fun, just num mm, num mm, 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 mm. Oh, so good. I was just like, this is so fun. This is the scene that people are gonna talk about.
0: Yeah, I had the, everything you just said is exactly the way I thought, and it's absolutely an echo to the Invisible Man uh, scene. But that mm-hmm. said, like what you said is true. Like, other than that, like I think there was an opportunity for the bathroom sequence. They mm. missed a lot of great opportunities there to really make that a cool sequence. Mm-hmm. And and I felt like they just they just kept missing them, and so much of it is this film, unlike the other films, is definitely playing around with more of it's more the Invisible Man approach. It is right. the unseen force, or unseen. It is, or what mm-hmm. you see in a reflection in the mirror. And this movie yeah. plays a lot with reflections, more so yeah. than the other films did. And I think there yeah. was something sort of raw and visceral in the original film because it wasn't as like subtle it was definitely more like yeah there is candy very clear there's the jacket there's the hook there's the bees there's all this shit and like that was so imposing and so intimidating and so weirdly sexual in a way too yeah very erotic which this film you know I I feel like to its detriment doesn't really have that eroticism at all which that original not not sexy not sexy not that it needed to have that necessarily but that
1: is such a part of that original film yeah which also gets it gets one out of five horny bonks exactly one out of five horny bonks but you know
0: yeah absolutely and and also you know i don't think it's a spoiler like to say because i do feel like people already know at this point that there is at least a moment of tony todd in the movie like yeah. it's been publicized I mean, that was all
1: over twitter like, yeah like
0: you know night one people know about that so i don't feel like it's a spoiler yeah. but you know i have a big issue like there are some characters to me that are so iconic and that are so ingrained in my head that i just cannot move myself mm-hmm. to accept anybody else and the best example would be the night grown elm street remake which that's the least of its problems it's a garbage movie it's an awful shit fire movie I have a really hot take about that movie, but we can talk about that later. Oh, we will. And, uh, (laughs) but like Freddy Krueger is Robert Englund. It's not Jackie Earl Haley. And I love Jackie Earl Haley. He is not Freddy Krueger. And Mm -hmm. he's never going to be Freddy Krueger to me. And I have a weirdly similar problem with Candyman, which is when you've got someone who is as iconic and as perfect in that role as Tony Todd, it is impossible for me to look on anybody else in that role and think anything positive because I'm constantly totally, measuring I mean, them up, totally and I'm like, get it. like, so the moment Sherman walks out of the goddamn wall, I'm like, that ain't Candyman, you yeah. ain't Candyman, dude, like,
1: no way in hell. My, I, I completely hear you coming from, and and very much so agree. Also, like to Tony Todd's in Tony Todd's defense as well as like that, like he really created that character when you read oh yeah, the Clive Barker short story, it, you know, it is based, it is it's more an outline for what the film actually is. Tony Todd um, and, and Virginia Madsen really made that film what it is and made those characters who they are, yeah. you know, they made Helen Lyle and they made Dana Robitaille and like, it, like that is it's his character, you know. Oh, so like yeah. I have to believe that Yaya at least uh, had Yaya and the guy who plays Sherman had to have had some conversations with Tony Todd, or at least I hope they did. You know, I I would um, hope so too. I mean, you know, Tony Todd too. He also
0: protected that franchise. Like they oh, were going to yeah. do Candyman versus Leprechaun, and he was like, "Hell no, I'm not no, doing that. Yeah. I'm not disrespecting well, that character that way."
1: And Bernard Rose wanted it to be similar to what. John Carpenter wanted with Halloween was he wanted it to be an anthology series like yeah. he wanted Candyman to then branch off into life because right. when they came to him they're right. like do you want to do the sequel he was like great here's my script they were like no thanks sayonara yeah. you know um and then they brought Bill Condon on to do uh, yeah. Farewell to the Flesh which that is crazy to me that he directed that um well he also I directed it, Twilight too so I know I know he's, I he's all it. over the place not the first one though he did the last That's,
0: two he did breaking oh, okay. dawn one and two okay I bill condon that has one of the most insane careers really does. to make. like he, he really is all does. over the place to direct something like gods, and monsters, gods and, and monsters and then to and then go on to direct what was the disney film with beauty and the beast, uh, that he directed? And the, beast
1: the live action beauty and the beast like, i'm like damn bill <laughs> condon like i mean his agent is working triple time you know gotta be uh, but but the, the the thing I was going to say about about Tony Todd as Candyman and, and Yaya and, and Sherman, I am scared of Tony Todd as Candyman. That's why, like right. I said, like when I met him, I was scared because he's one, a big dude, yeah. big guy, like still he's in his, I think he's in his 60s, big guy, um, very imposing, very sweet. But like, that is his voice. Like they didn't do much to change his voice. Like that's yeah. his voice. Um, and I'm scared of cat. He is scary in the Candyman in the original. Oh yeah. I was not scared at any point during this new one. Yeah. I wasn't scared. You know. Um. There are like two like jumpy moments that like kind of just get you, but mostly just because it's loud. You know. Yeah. Um. But I was never. I was never scared of Sherman. Um, as Candyman. Uh. You know. And and that is and like. But but to. Uh, the comp to complement the movie itself, like that opening sequence. I like the opening sequence. I like what it's doing to set up. I like that setup. It's it's very creepy. It's very eerie. It's just very like off-putting because it's almost like anti-horror. And what I mean by that is like most um, you know contemporary horror avoids showing. You know they they're not showing. Yeah. Um, you know, until they absolutely have to. And it's really like the last 15, 20 minutes, you're seeing the villain, you know? Um, uh, contrary to like what, uh, you know, what, what what they used to do. Uh, but like, what I like, what I do appreciate about Mia Costa's direction in this is like, you spend a lot of face time with this character that does not have a lot of personality to it, um, yeah. being the new Candyman, you know? Yeah. Like there's the mirror sequence, there is the opening sequence, there are the flashbacks. Like, you spend a lot of time with his face, yeah, not with him speaking. Yeah. Um, and that I liked. I liked that, but it works more in like a creepy eerie factor. I wasn't really scared, though. You know? Yeah. Maybe I'm just... I wasn't scared out, either.
0: I, I wasn't scared either, and, and I think this is a good segue into talking about the score, because so much yes. of that original film and what made that film Fuck. scary yes. to me was that score. And... My so another issue I had with this was so we should say the scores by Robert A. A. Lowe in
1: the new film. And if you're going in he was expecting a phenomenal experimental musician, absolutely mostly dealing with like vocal harmonics and like I I was aware, I was somewhat aware of his of his work beforehand. But
0: yeah, yeah. And and I get why on the offset you would want someone like that. If you're gonna try to follow up a Philip Glass score, you wanna go with someone avant-garde and someone who's gonna Perfect. do something that Such said a choice. that said that score in that original film is a character unto itself and Absolutely. is so part of it and i wanted it so
1: badly right. in this new film and right. what and i and i kept thinking like you get a few moments you get a few moments that that like the the title the title sequence uh track the opening track the end credits track when they um when they retell the like you know, the story, the Candyman story, and he is actually yeah. doing the music box theme. Um, you get some of that, but sorry. I didn't mean, to
0: no, no, you're right. You And that's the thing is that you get that music box thing, which is amazing. I think I wanted more of the operatic, like full stuff. Yes. Like, really like auditorium filling. And like, and for some reason it made me think of, it, it was, to me, it was a missed opportunity because it made me think of weirdly enough. It made me think of the movie Creed. And Creed, huh. Ryan kugler Creed, incredible film for yeah. me. I love it. I love, I love Creed. I love both of them. Well, absolutely. And and Creed and, Creed too. and the more I thought about it, the more I started th- really actually thinking that Creed and Candyman have a lot in common because they're both films about deconstructing mythologies and creating new mythologies. Wow. And, but what Creed also did was. It is so reverent to the original Rocky franchise, all the films, it doesn't count any of them out, also like Candyman. And, but what it does musically is, is it has the confidence to do its own thing and create its own score. But then in the last five minutes of that movie, when, when uh, Adonis is down on the ground and he flashes to Apollo and that fucking Rocky theme kicks in. And it gives you, it still gives me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, goosebumps. And, absence. and it's like, that is the way that you repurpose something so iconic and make it entirely your own. Even though you're yeah. doing with it exactly what they did before, you're making it totally your own. And I kept thinking like, I know there had to have been moments in this film where they could have
1: done something with that fucking score. And well, let me I, ask you, do you not feel like they do that with the music box theme? Yes, but see- Did I w- not do it for you? I wanted the operatic stuff. Yeah. Like, I love the you music the, box like, thing. You wanted the Philip Glass
0: treatment. Exactly. And I know of, that's uh, not uh, fair. Uh, uh, and I know it's not fair to ask that because Nia DeCosta has her own vision. They have their own totally. ideas. It's not fair for me to necessarily ask that. But that's what I was thinking when I was watching it. And I kept thinking like, there had to be opportunities to use some of that. And, uh, and maybe she, maybe she's just the opposite of me. Maybe Nia Kosta just loves the music box score, and not the operatic stuff. Totally yeah. valid, totally valid. That's, but for me, for me, I was waiting on it and I was bummed it didn't come. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, and I think that that was my overall take on the film was is that I was just, I had such high expectations and they were really
1: high for all yeah. the reasons we've discussed. And well, I was just, and also, also it being delayed, you know, yeah, almost a full year, you yeah. know, that definitely built anticipation because you're like, because they, because re- like Universal cranked some shit out, you know, yeah. they're like, yeah, there's a lot of shit. They're like, yeah, we'll release, we'll release the craft legacy, you know, uh, or whatever it was called new Legacy. that. I, I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, you know, they held on to this one. They're like, we know this has yeah. legs, which obviously it does. Yeah. Look at the numbers. Yeah. And like that will influence another. I anticipate it having another great week. And like you know, obviously it's got some it's got some competition coming up with yeah. um you know with 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 Shang Chi coming out this weekend. Well, it so, makes me excited um, too because yeah. another
0: another horror film that they held onto was Antlers, and that's one yes. that I've been very excited. When's that
1: coming out? It
0: comes out in October.
1: And oh, so yeah. I'm very so excited for that.
0: I'm hoping that Antlers, I'm hoping they're holding it because they know they've got something yeah.
1: pretty thick ass on their hands. Why am I spacing it? What's that director's name? And Scott did, like, Cooper. Crazy
0: Heart. I love Scott Cooper. I do too. Out of the Furnace,
1: Black Mass. Out of the Furnace is great. Yeah. yeah. Black Mass, I go... I, I'm the same. I'm, I'm the mixed, same. Mixed on, but I love Crazy Heart a lot. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm excited. Again, another filmmaker you don't, you wouldn't consider doing a yep. horror film yeah. And like, that's what gets you more excited about it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And you know, Del Toro's producing it, so it's like Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, like, he's producing it. So yeah. So all that all that very said cool. is like, yeah, I was excited because, of, because they held it. I was like, well, if they're holding it, then they've got confidence in this. And they rightly did, because it's doing really well. And I'm very happy for Nia DeCosta. Like, I think that's awesome. Like, to become the first Black woman to have a number one film at the box office, I think is yeah. fantastic. And like, and certainly well de- and certainly well-deserved. And but that said, I just wish I hadn't walked out of the theater feeling so disappointed with the film. And it's not Got that I thought it was badly made. I certainly don't sure. think it was badly made. It's gorgeously shot. Like,
1: it's, it's beautiful. beautiful to look at. It is beautiful.
0: And, um, and, and there's so much that I enjoy about it. And, and just sort mm-hmm. of, you know, sort in, in of taking back the legacy. I, I like a lot about that. But man, oh man, I just—I—I I think I just expected more. I just expected more, and I could have handled another twenty minutes easy.
1: Give yeah, I—I—I was—I saw the runtime before I went in, and did have a little bit of hesitance. Was like, oh, why is it so short? You know. Um, but you know, and and interesting enough, like I rewatched the trailer. Um what a trailer earlier today, great trailer. I watched the trailer and was like, whoa, there's a bunch of stuff in this trailer that's right. not in the movie. Absolutely. You know? And I'm like, I want the director's cut because like it definitely felt a little studio fied. Absolutely. You know? There are lots of moments in the trailer that are not in the movie. Like there yeah. are and, and it's so there's, weird to me. There's I, like another woman in the church in the like one of the final sequences. There's like a scene, there are like two scenes with Tiana Paris. Like there, there's a lot that's not in it. There's someone like, saying, I hear you're looking
0: for Candyman.
1: Yeah. I'm like, Jimmy. Yeah, you
0: yeah absolutely. And I, I, yeah, I had the same thought. Like I was, and I know there's a cut out there. There's, there's, yeah, her cut yeah. is out there somewhere. Where, release you, the DaCosta cut. Yeah, Hashtag exactly. Release the DaCosta cut. Because I mean, I do, that is a problem I have with horror films these days is I think there is this, the last few years, there's been this big push to make all horror films 90 minutes or less. Sure. And and I'm like, to me, that devalues horror in a certain right. way. It's saying that horror is a lesser genre, so we need to make it shorter and more palatable. And I'm like, no, like, I'll sit through a long-ass horror film. Like, I think mm-hmm. The Empty
1: Man was fantastic, and that was two and a okay. half hours I long. Was, I was kind of hoping you were going to bring up The Empty Man. I have not seen it yet. It oh. has been in my HBO Max queue for, like, a month now. I really think I'm going to watch it, like, in the next week because – I have had so many friends recommend that movie because it's like a maximalist horror film, yeah. and it's like two hours and fifty minutes long. And I'm like, cool, all right. I'm of the belief that like movies should be like hour forty five or four hours. Like, yeah. give yeah. me like give me the like Satan Tango version of Candyman. Like, that's what I want.
0: Yeah, and Empty Man is interesting. Case... Out, can-
1: candy Candyman, like like Candyman. Candyman, well, you're that's in North Carolina. Candyman, uh-huh. yeah, it's starting to come out
0: um but empty man is a good is a good thing it's a weird thing because when i first saw it i saw it the first time and i was like i don't know what to make of this like it's really ambitious and i don't think it works yeah. but then i sure. watched it a second time a few weeks later and i was like wow you oh, gave that okay. movie four and a half hours i did and i'm glad wow. i did because after seeing it the second time i was like okay this movie does work it is sure. ambitious but God damn it, it pulls off 75% of what it's being ambitious about. Wow. And that's a good really quota for a film out. like that. It's yeah. the the opening, the opening sequence of that film is this, basically a standalone short film. It's like the opening pre-credit sequence is like 25 minutes. And it is wow. pretty
1: much a perfect short film. Wow. From okay, beginning cool. to end. And then you- then I it, like don't even know what it's about. Like that's, I'm going in so blind and that's how I want to go in. It's very in similar- like-
0: it's sort of like if someone were to take
1: It's like a Slender Man kind if of. If someone thing, were right? to take if you, someone were to
0: take Candyman and mix it okay. with Halloween part six, The Curse of Michael Myers, this is sort of big let's, fan. Let's, of let's be clear. You've got Steven Root as a creepy cult leader. What else do you need? Yeah. So, I mean, that's all you need. So yeah, empty man is. Um, okay. it's, it's a cool film. You need to
1: check it cool. out. Okay. I had to all see
0: it right. twice to get around. I will watch
1: Man. So many people have sold me. So many people. And like, you're just like final nail in the coffin. Like, all right, I'm in. You know, it. you know, I'll see Candyman a second time. I'm sure that I think I think it's worth, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, again, we've said all this, I enjoyed my time. I really enjoyed it. I think it is an important, I think it's important. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad that, like, like, and it's it's such bullshit that, like, the studios look at it at like this, that they took a, quote, risk, you know, to do this. Like, fuck them for even thinking that it was, like, a risk to, like, give, give a piece of IP like this to a, like, take a Black woman out of it, a talented, really incredibly talented filmmaker, yeah. and give her this piece of IP and say, go for it, you know? Yeah like it's just going to lead to more and like, and it's doing so well this week. I'm so glad that happened. It's just going to lead to more. And like, think about like how you reacted to like Get Out and like, you weren't a super big fan of Get Out, but look what's come. Oh, sure. Since then. Sure. Like, we wouldn't Absolutely. have Candyman if we didn't have Get Out, you know? Sure. We would have us
0: without Get Out. I love, and I loved yeah. us.
1: You know, and um,
0: I, I've been getting frustrated lately reading a lot of reviews of Candyman because if I hear one more person refer to the original candy man as a cult classic i'm gonna kick a hole through a wall because let's be clear not only did the film do really well at the bottom it did line, really well it was yeah. very well reviewed by critics like it was and it was one of the more overall successful horror films of the 90s in terms of critical and commercial success that is not a cult film like no. that is a mainstream horror
1: film. Like That's a, cult- a success.
0: Yeah, that is so not a cult film, but people are ca- keep calling it a cult film. And I'm like, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's fucking yeah, cult. Yeah, doesn't film. mean
1: it's cult, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a pet peeve. That's a pet peeve. But that's Candyman in theaters yeah. now. You can see it anywhere. You can go down to any place and you can see Candyman probably, I would imagine. Yeah, and then in, I think, 45 days, you can see it at home. Exactly, or, you know, well, yeah, this one did well. So if it's something like yeah. Respect, which underperforms, they'll just drop it in the next week. Oh, my God,
1: that's right. That just yeah. dropped like today, right? Or tomorrow, something like that? It, it, it's, or it's already it dropped. dropped, yeah. It just dropped? Wow. I yeah. guess that's
0: going to be the new model now. If a film doesn't do as well as they expected, they'll just go ahead and drop it into VOD and hope that it makes it up there.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: But... Um, so, you know, we talked a lot about the new Candyman. We talked a little oh, bit. Oh, I
1: wanted to say, oh, before oh, we moved, uh, moved on, I did, I wanted to say one more thing about the new one, because we talked, we said it very briefly of just like how beautiful it is, of how yes. like pretty it is. Couple of things. One, I love the title sequence. Uh, yes. I love how it's shot. I love how it brings it in. Um, there's so much symmetry between the original Candyman and the remake from not only a visual perspective, but from there are some, there's some dialogue that has symmetry and it's, it is like sort of this like perfect crossover between the tr- between the two that creates almost this like reflect reflective experience, yeah. not unlike a mirror, you know, that shot of Helen Lyle, you know, walking across, I don't, I don't know Chicago, but that bridge in downtown Chicago and then like Yaya walking across the bridge. It's just like, there are like literal shots that like are duplicated um, between the two. And like, and I love that. I love, I love when you get those sort of like, and like, they're not even so deep cut that like, uh, that they're like Easter eggs. It's just like a very clear, not even homage. It's just like, it's just this symmetry, you know, between the two. And I just, I found, I thought that was just so beautiful. And like, and and Burke even calls it a symmetry. Like there's this beautiful symmetry, you know?
0: Well, this is, okay, well, this is a weird tangent, but it's related because you said, Ooh, because you've had that. Yes, please. So, so yesterday, because I was bored and hadn't seen it in a few years, I was going to watch Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers.
1: Okay. And
0: and so I did, and there are some moments in that film, symmetry is the right word, and I did, I've i never noticed them until this, and I hate to give okay. that film a lot of credit because it is a bad film, but there I are moments it. in that film when they're in the Myers house which I just for the first time realized are absolutely directly taken from that original film. Yeah. With like the girls going upstairs with their boyfriend and it's like exactly that shot with Michael looking through the window and watching them go yeah. upstairs. And there were moments where I was like, oh, well, this doesn't make you a good film, but it makes me appreciate you more. Yeah, and you're and, like
1: respecting the original. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so I had that sort of similar idea, even though let me be clear, Curse and Michael Myers, both cuts, producers cut, theatrical cut, are garbage movies they are terrible movies
1: I love them wholeheartedly i love oh. i love love, love love it i love it that's i like forgive me i can't believe i'm even asking this but that's the paul rudd one oh yeah that's the paul rudd yeah. one. okay great yeah whereas he was credited a, paul stephen rudd paul stephen rudd and right. introducing paul stephen rudd but they didn't get to introduce him right. because clueless had just come out and that's i right. love that story but they were like oh no that movie for teenagers is popular we should reshoot this thing yeah, exactly. And, but, you know, that said, like... Paul Stephen Rudd. You know, I, and I also did research on those Curse of
0: Michael Myers did actually better at the box office than I thought yeah. it did. And it yeah. had to have only done that because of, you Because of, it's because it's, of Paul Rudd. Because yeah, it certainly, Donald Pleasance wasn't bringing the kids into the theater in the oh, 90s. He is looking so rough. He, yeah. Well, he's had, that, he's had that heart valve replacement at that point. So he's probably feeling it. Like...
1: He was he, looking so, he looks so rough in Curse. It's like really hard.
0: But I will say, and this is the last thing I will say about Chris and Michael Myers because I can't believe I've gone <laughs> no, on this legend. <laughs> but I will say this one of the things that makes me respect Paul Rudd more than anything else is that he has not abandoned this film from his filmography. He talks fondly oh, yeah. about it. Oh, he yeah. doesn't act ashamed of it. It's not like Leonardo DiCaprio and like the Critters film. Like
1: he actually or, embraces or it. McConaughey and, and Zellweger with, they're just now acknowledging uh, New Generation, Texas Chainsaw yeah. yeah. Massacre, yeah. New Generation. And what I love yeah. about it too is
0: like I, I also realized, which I didn't realize, is that they actually approached paul rudd about uh, not paul rudd um about yeah paul rudd about playing tommy doyle in the new halloween movie oh and cool. and he was actually interested in doing it but he had a it was a, a filming conflict he had another film that he was doing and he gotcha. wasn't able to do it but he was actually considering his role but of course now it's, a, it's anthony michael you know. hall now yeah, um, yeah which is great but it was just i just appreciate that he hasn't like he doesn't badmouth this film. He hasn't I mean, walked away from it. At the end of the day, he got to fucking work with Donald Pleasance. What's to yeah? And the what's check be-
1: cleared. The check yeah. cleared. You know, and it couldn't have been a terrible check. I mean, I mean, it, no, it could either. have been great either. I mean, it could have yeah, been great. I'm but- sure he got. I'm sure you got overages for for coming back to do reshoots to, uh, you know, to to bank off the clueless success. Yeah, uh,
0: but that said, so the original Candyman,
1: uh, which none
0: of this discussion would be possible without that film um Whew. yeah so that film and i i actually did it the right way i watched it right before i went to the theater to see the new one and then i watched cool. it a couple days after i had watched the film as well and because i wanted to sort of get that sort of whole experience i also watched the sequels we won't get into that quite yet um boy oh boy does that original film hold up i mean it's it, so fucking good, it is man. so fucking good good and yeah i mean and and just even the way that it's like because on the surface if you think it's 92 it's a film that is really about race and about the black community but it's a a white woman in the lead and it's
1: all these things like there are things it's also like written and directed by a white man yeah and and starring a white woman in this almost like voyeuristic um uh take on on uh the projects of of uh, where is cabrini green it's in, on the west side it's not in the south side it's on the west side yeah. um i apologize if anyone from chicago is listening to this and, and wants to put a hit out on me um for for not knowing where uh that is uh but um you know it it, it really does um it does sort of a similar thing to what the new one does which is you know it, it comments on um how the projects came to be yeah. and how you know why people just have this sort of like uh, again voyeuristic uh way of like looking at that community which is fucking atrocious atrocious in like academic communities and and art and artistic communities of just like oh isn't this so and like that shitty like you know art dealer guy uh in the new one says it's so provincial yet so interesting or yet so exciting you know and yeah. it's like dude fuck off like yeah. this is people's lives you know yeah yeah i know absolutely and
0: i think what struck me about that original film is is that it is it is definitely about that voyeurism but it's also respectful of the communities yeah. that it's that it's talking about in a way even yeah. though it is showing this character who is basically using this community for her for her art to some degree mm-hmm. it is still respectful of that community to a to a large extent and and I found that really interesting too because you don't you don't see that a lot in the late '80s and early '90s. You don't oh, see a lot of respect being given to black communities and black people yeah. in general. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't have a movie like Soul Man, and so so it was interesting to see that and to sort of like oh man, hot takes yeah. on Soul Man. Yeah, and, and to yeah. sort of appreciate and appreciate yeah. it from that angle, especially after seeing the new film, because the new film is sort of riffing on that. But in the, in a sense, though, that new film is also showing, like, it ain't just white people that are voyeurs.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. It,
0: it ain't just white people that are that are doing
1: that. Like, yeah. and that was interesting, too, in that new film. In the sort new of a no-holds-barred take, you know? And it's yeah. interesting even thinking about the original coming out during um, the L.A. riots. Yeah. You know? And like how contentious of a year 1992 was, and and it's just like I I feel like you really can't talk about um, like you can't talk about Candyman, you can't talk about like 1992 as a whole without talking about the LA riots, Um, and just the irony of that film coming out in that year, um, you know, I, I you know, it's just it's just astounding, you know, because of what it's saying and what it's doing and within that time frame um it's just wild yeah you know? and you don't see a lot of horror films in the
0: 90s with a social conscience like, no it's just not there and no. you had it in the 70s like you got that in the 70s a little bit in the 80s it really sort of dropped off yeah and in the 90s was basically non-existent and so Candyman is really sort of a needle in the haystack in that respect because it does have that strong social concept and sort of has a it weirdly has a a um integrity and a sort of moral fabric to it that you don't really expect in a horror film like that yeah. and um and i yeah i i just it, it holds up just so goddamn well and i would I, and I've shown people this film in the last few years that had never seen it before, and it scared the shit out of them. It's still a scary, it's scary. movie. It's scary. Like, that sequence at the end where she's in there with the psychiatrist and then just the fucking oh, and just goes like through, right his through his shit. But chest. it's like
1: that, it's the sound, it's the, ooh! It's like that. Okay. We it's, have to talk about oh. the gore. Like, we have to talk. I wanted, I wanted yeah. so much gore in the new one, and I didn't get any of it, you know? But, like, re-watching the original, is like, dude, this, this movie's fucked up there is a sequence like it, it, talking about Candyman and who Candyman is they tell a story about a kid's dick getting ripped off in uh a public bathroom yeah. like and then they show it. yeah and you're like this is fucking dark yeah. like the a, a, a child is kidnapped like within the first 30 minutes of the movie a child is kidnapped a dog is beheaded and a like a teenager gets his dick ripped off yeah, that like that's enough for like that's enough like for one horror movie, and like that's just the beginning. That's the first act. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really
0: was. It was a ballsy horror film for the time. Like it was, because I mean, it was so gory and so hard R, and mm-hmm. and bo- it was really an anomaly for that period of time, and. And that's part of what makes it so special and so unique and such. And and it's so like timeless in a way too. like you watch it now. And yes, the fashion and the shit is like it's very 90s. But right. it is. But but a lot of that film is still very timeless. Like, I mean, being frank, like the projects as depicted in that film in 1992 are the projects in Birmingham, Alabama. Like yep. it ain't changed.
1: Like same same here in Southeastern North Carolina. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah,
0: and so like it is all it is all there, right there, and and we've mm-hmm. talked about him a lot already. But I mean, goddamn, Tony Todd! I mean, just like the the it just it, it can't imagine anybody else playing that character
1: in no. any any way, shape, or form. Like, just also no one like being willing to like take a mound of bees to the mouth, like a, and doing it for real. Do it, yeah, doing exactly. it for real in all three movies. Yeah, and uh, like the thing that I just learned that I I didn't know was that. He had a clause built into his contract that he got a thousand dollar bonus. For every beast thing,
0: (laughs) which is great, which is fantastic. That is so, that is (laughs) so great. And, and like I said earlier, like just his sort of like his investment in that character, like him understanding that this was an important character for a film for I think the black community, I yeah. think for horror, I think he recognized the importance of that character and that film and put so much into it and into the substance of the sequels. Like I said, like he really was sort of, he really sort of safeguarded that franchise yeah. for a number of years himself, just to make sure that, you know- in, nobody that, fucked with it. Yeah, that character wasn't disrespected or turned into some sort of joke like characters, you know, oftentimes are. And um, and thank god he did because you know who knows what would have happened. I mean, I certainly had no desire to see Candyman fight the fucking leprechaun. Like I that would have been ridiculous. They're two totally different kinds of horror films. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say the original idea that floated around for a while about Candyman and a Hellraiser crossover was very interesting to me. Because, That's interesting because they are both very much, they're both very much of the similar mindset of Clyde Barker.
1: And they also come from alternate, essentially other dimensions.
0: Exactly. And there's a seriousness, at least to those first two Hellraiser films, where you're like, you could see the Cine- a Cinebite Candyman sort of thing working together if they did yeah. it right. I'm still glad it didn't happen. Like, I, I think it's And okay. I'd love to
1: read that. I wonder if there's a script out there floating somewhere that somebody, you know, had turned into the studio. I I'd, I'd love to read that. That's like Surely there has to be so fucking cool.
0: There has um, to be. Cuz
1: I am also a massive Hellraiser fan too. I'm yeah. reading Hellbound Heart right now cuz I've never read it actually. Yeah. Um and I'm reading it. I like picked it up like days ago. I was like I got to read this, you know. Um and it's phenomenal. And like Clive Barker's a, a genius. Um and for and like, you know, for good reason has been hailed as the the mastermind that he is. Oh yeah,
0: and and Hellraiser. I I have a love hate with the Hellraiser franchise. I think the first two are both masterpieces. Understand I think they're that. both. I, and I I enjoy like three a lot too. I enjoy the third one. I actually really enjoy the fourth one, Bloodlines. After Bloodlines that, after that,
1: is Bloodlines the one that Adam Scott is in? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fancy the one that looking. In like the seventeen or eighteen hundreds.
0: Yep. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and uh, and I I really dig Bloodlines. Like I think they did some cool shit there. So, yeah. I, yeah, I love the Hellraiser films because I and I love Candyman for a lot of the reasons that I love the Hellraiser films. And it is that Clive Barker's mentality where because Clive Barker, all of his stuff is very much about sort of embracing the sort of the meeting place between sexuality and violence. Well,
1: his, his work is very hedonistic and yeah. and um, and gothic at the same time. Yeah, you know there it's it, it's it's really funny now i hadn't thought about this until until you just said it like the amount of similarities between the original like the first hellraiser the original hellraiser and the original candy man yeah um it's a lot of body horror it's a lot of dealing with flesh and blood but it's it, they're both incredibly erotic um yeah and there is just sort of this through line of of like sheer raw sexuality and like like you know having sex or being intimate is like not enough to like please someone it's like it has to be painful and like even at the end when Tony when when um, Candyman is you know bringing Helen to the altar essentially and he says I can assure you and it's like it's almost like he's talking to her you know like like they're about to like do it and he's like I can assure you the pain will be exquisite and you're like why am I kind of into this? Well, yeah. <laughs>
0: you know? But see, and that's the other thing too, is like take that line. That's a Hellraiser line. That's totally. a pinhead. That's totally a pinhead
1: line. Totally and, a pinhead line. Like
0: you take uh be my victim. That could be a pinhead line. You take a, a pinhead line. line, you take a, a pinhead line like um, I have such sights to show you, or yeah. or um a waste of good suffering. Like those yeah. are lines that could easily be from Candyman. Like yeah, they there Jesus is, wept. Yeah, there is that symmetry between those films. And I think a lot of that is Barker, even though certainly Candyman was far less fleshed out than Hellraiser was because Hellraiser had a rich, richer source material.
1: Yeah. Um, But But even so, it's just a novella. You know, it's like 120 pages, 130 pages, you know, but like I don't remember how long the Candyman. uh, What is it? The Forgotten, I think, is, uh, is the name of the short story. Um, I don't know how long it is, uh, but obviously not 130 pages, but, um, but it's kind of fun when you see, um, when you see adaptations of stories like that, that have, that are more of like an outline of like what something could be and really come to fruition in a way that Candyman did, um, uh, of which we've said Candyman so many times you and I are both fucked we're like we're, we're dying um, we're both we're both croaking tonight I have a question I have a question that is that is sort of on topic sort of off topic was there a thing in your school like did the girls or the guys do Bloody Mary do Candyman was that a thing at all oh
0: 100% 100% we did Bloody Mary all the
1: time um, um i went to a i went to like a a lutheran school for fourth and fifth grade um in baltimore maryland and there uh were these three girls that it was like a very it was a small school and like you know there were like 12 of us in the fourth grade and like three girls got like suspended for doing bloody mary in the bathroom oh and like God. getting and like screaming and like screeching and like running out and getting so scared and they got suspended for doing that at like this Lutheran school in Baltimore, Maryland. That's it that's insane. Yeah.
0: That's it. Ins- well, you know, I have a, i actually okay, this is a weird thing. That was enough for- to
1: scare me too and never I've never done it. I've never done bloody mary. I've never done candy man. No thank you. Um so, so to this day I'm like uh if it's
0: real, I don't want to know. So I'm going to tell a story here that I I, is one of my favorite stories from childhood, and it is absolutely related to this. Um, I probably would have been about, I guess, about eleven or twelve, and I was having a sleepover. I had some of my friends over, and we did Bloody Mary. So we went into the bathroom, and uh, the lights that we went into the bathroom, the lights were already out. So we went into the bathroom. All that was there was like the little candle plugged into the wall, so just barely any light. A glade, one glade plug-in. That's exactly right. And um, so we went in. It was me, and probably three or four of my friends, and we we looked in the mirror. We said Bloody Mary. We did it. We did the whole thing. We spun around. What is,
1: what is, what is the what is it? What is the thing with Bloody Mary? Our thing remember. was:
0: is you say Bloody Mary five times, but you spin around as you say it, and then Got when it. you when you reach your revolution on the fifth time, Bloody Mary is supposed to be there. Got it. in okay. the mirror. And so we went in, we talked for, a few, I know, a couple minutes because we were working up our nerve to do sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. Trying to figure out which one's the punk, like who's going to like wuss out. And so we, we're staring in front of the mirror. We do it. We go, bloody Mary, bloody Mary, bloody Mary, bloody Mary, bloody Mary. Now, let me take you back. My mother had migraines when she has had migraines when she was younger, when she was younger. She doesn't okay. have any more. And mm-hmm. what she used to do when she would get a migraine is she would go and lay in the bathtub and shut Stop. the shower and shut the shower curtain and just kind of close her eyes. And there was something oh comforting about the feeling there. God. So, <laughs> so literally we finished the fifth revolution on Bloody Mary and all we hear in the bathroom is Aah! and we freak the fuck out and start screaming and running out of the bathroom and just we tear out into my bedroom and shut the door we're all freaking the fuck out and i can hear through our craziness my mother cackling from the bathroom and through her migraine pain is cackling because the moment she heard us coming in talking about doing bloody mary she knew she had us
1: oh your mom's an OG. That's awesome. Wow. And that was
0: horrifying, horrifying experience <laughs> for amazing.
1: me. I um, love that. But yes, Candyman is a masterpiece. Um, which I only want to say one thing about Farewell to the Flesh, which is just like, I feel like you got to give it up for Kelly Rowan, who I am a big fan of as, as Kirsten Cohen in the OC. Do You know what I was and watching like,
0: before we recorded this? I hope you're watching the O.C. I'm watching
1: my favorite episode of television. One of my favorite episodes of all
0: time. Rainy Day Women season two the O.C. Where oh. Summer Summer gives Seth the upside down Spider-Man kiss. The upside down Spider-Man kiss. Oh. I'm a massive O.C. fan. Um, Great. Great,
1: there's, Great there's, season. Great episode. There's a Great reason show.
0: why this man is on my phone
1: case. <laughs> Seth Cohen for life. Dude. Amazing. You have to give it up for her though. Like she's doing everything she can
0: at this. Thing, I mean, you you know? here's, here's the thing. And this is a good we don't want to spend too much time on the sequels, but we will mention it briefly, like so Candyman 2, I actually think there are some redeeming qualities to that film. Like
1: I, I don't, I don't hate Farewell to the Flesh. Yeah, I, I think, really don't like, I really don't like uh, Day of the Dead. It's garbage. Day of the Dead is garbage. It's really bad. It's cheap. It's garbage.
0: Like it's to the Flesh.
1: It's straight to DVD. It's
0: like, yeah, you know. and Farewell to the Flesh has a budget. It has a production value. Yeah. Like I like the opening sequence. I like being in New Orleans. Because Candyman yeah. feels very New Orleans in a way, and like yeah. Tony Todd is great, I love seeing him get a chance to like do stuff. Like, there's so much I like about it, but then it's also it's just when you come off of Candyman, mm-hmm. what do you what do you expect that you're going to be able to do with a sequel yeah. like that? Like, yeah. It, yeah. it just it was never going to work like that. Bill Condon does as much as he can it, with it. It is
1: the Hellraiser two of Candyman's because it takes the concept and just like adds more to it there are more kills more gore you know it it it, it does what it can by furthering the story that you're at least somewhat familiar with but like doesn't really like break the wheel the difference being is
0: obviously i would argue that hellraiser 2 is better than hellraiser 1 and uh that is i think hellraiser 2 is one of the greatest horror films ever made but that is
1: i i don't disagree with you that it's one of the best horror films ever made but i think it falls into a category similar to like the godfather and alien and like like the godfather and godfather part two are like their own they're on different playing fields same thing with like alien and aliens like alien is like an art house film and aliens is like a blockbuster same thing with like hellraiser hellraiser is like Kind of an art film at times, yeah. and *Hellraiser* two is like a blockbuster, you know. Yeah, um, like they almost get to like stand on their own, not as sequels, you know. Yeah, and
0: and, and that's and that's certainly fair. I I, I that's valid. Um, I think, I don't think that about *Candyman*. *Candyman* fair to the to the flesh, yeah. yeah. Well, but and, you know, and I was really bummed. Like I, I mean, I saw *Candyman* two in the theater. I remember seeing it in the theater, mm-hmm. um, and I remember enjoying it. I mean, I've seen it obviously several times since then, but I enjoyed it when I saw it in the theater. I was like, okay, like this is okay. Like it's obviously not as good as the first one, but it's, it's okay. And then I watched it years later and I'm like, it's barely okay, but it's still okay. (laughs) And now I've sort of settled into this thing of like, I just find the things that I appreciate about it. And I'm like, that's enough for me with that film. Like there are things that I appreciate, like the production design and things like that. The third, there's nothing that I can find redeeming no, about it. No, no. Like, it's it's you know even Tony Todd, it seems like he knows it's it's a bad film. Like he yeah. seems to know himself, and like the only other person even worth mentioning in that film is Ernie Hudson Jr., who is like, <laughs> who's 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 fine in it. But yeah, it's like the yeah. sequels were just they just you can't compete when you're the first film is such a knockout. Like you just yeah. can't. No,
1: and, I I agree. I agree.
0: Um, well, that's Candyman. Um that's the that's the franchise of Candy Man. Um, we're gonna take it's a fun. quick yeah, it is fun. It's fun. Yeah, um, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna be back and uh we're gonna talk to Caleb a little bit more about some other fun things like Fantastic Fest. And uh who knows what? Maybe we'll find we'll get that other story that he talked about earlier. Oh
1: my god, I forgot that I set that up. Oh, oh yeah. I don't forget those okay. things, right.
0: who knows? But uh we'll be back after a brief word from our sponsor. We are back from our break. After our lengthy discussion of the Candyman franchise, Uh, Caleb, how do you think that went? Uh, I think I did great and you were subpar. I get that a lot. And I feel like that (laughs) that is really inspiring me to up my game. And I think what it means is is I haven't had enough rye whiskey. There you go. Because I tend to do better, as we just learned on an episode of Screen Drafts, which it's weird to me that you
1: haven't been on Screen Drafts. No, I haven't you listen to screen know. drafts? I do listen to screen drafts. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit behind on my podcasts in general, uh, but I have listened to screen drafts. Yeah, I feel like maybe we need a plan for me and you doing
0: a screen draft next year. I'm down to
1: I'm down to do a draft. I hate to throw you in with the wolves as
0: your first appearance, um, but um, I certainly actually I don't feel bad about that. Um, yeah, I don't feel bad about it. But yes, um, I had it coming. Um, but that's actually uh, well, actually we'll get to the, hold that segue. Okay. Um, because I do actually, you know, I'll save that other part for the I'm doing the show producing in my head as we talk. Got it. Okay. that's the way I like to do it. That's exactly right. That's
1: how I do when I'm talking, because I'll start a sentence and not really know where it's going. But I'll just figure it out along the way. But that's um, so that is a
0: good segue screen drafts, because screen drafts is going to be we are making screen drafts happen at Fantastic Fest this year, which is really exciting. We're doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, we're going to do a special. It hasn't been announced yet, so I can't give away too much on cool. air. But we are going to do a screen draft there um, with, I know it's going to be me and Clark Wolf and Graham Skipper and, uh, cool. someone, and someone else. All the all
1: the Fantastic Fest OGs. That's right. That's right. And of course, yeah. we're
0: doing a Scripts Gone Wild there as well. But uh, screen drafts is the phone because we've never done it there before. But yeah, Fantastic Fest is coming up. Uh, it kicks off on September 23rd. I know you're going to be there. And I you- will be there. And you've been there in the past. Wait. I and, have been there. Um, so tell me, what is it about Fantastic
1: Fest that you love so much? You know, I the the first film festival I ever went to was in Wilmington, North Carolina. It was Kukaloris, which is another Dan fantastic. Brawley. Dan Brawley, baby. Love Dan. Love Aaron Hillis. Like, just a great crew that runs that festival. And it's always so fun. And the programming is always so amazing. And that I think is what I connected to with fantastic. That's the first time I ever went. I had the pleasure of going the first time I went, I was on uh, a shorts jury. I was on the fantastic shorts jury first time I went. So like, I kind of got the like red carpet experience. Um, and so I definitely was like spoiled year one. And, uh, it's just like, there's just this like sense of camaraderie and like Big festivals like Toronto and Sundance, and they have their purpose, but like I would go to a Fantastic Fest 10 times over before I'd step foot on another like Sundance or Toronto or you know anything like that because, because of like the community it builds and the programming and how much fun it is, and it's just like it makes you feel like a kid, it's like summer camp, you know, yeah. like yeah. that's why I love Fantastic Fest so much, and like yeah. the programming, I'm excited. I'm excited to see uh, uh, Titan or Titane. I don't know how to pronounce it, but yes. Titane, I think Titane, I think Titane. I am beyond excited for Titane. I was a huge fan of Raw, love Julia uh, Ducker now. And um, I'm excited to see what she does with this. there's are some, uh, there's a, a, a Barbara Crampton movie that I uh, yeah. have, have actually seen and I'm excited to see it again with an audience. Yeah. Um, that, uh, yeah, I just like the, the programming is always great. The shorts are really fun. I don't normally, because in, in what I do, I have to, I, you know, on the acquisition side, it's like, I kind of have to see the features at, at yeah. festivals, but like Fantastic Fest is great because like I am always on the look, I'm always on the hunt for like, new talent, new directors, um, new writers, like producers, people that I really want to work with. And so like, I will try to go out of my way to like get to see the shorts. yeah, Because the shorts packages, like that's where that's where like people are being so resourceful and, 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 you know, being crafty and like everybody was a shorts filmmaker one time, you know? yeah yeah And um, I- I'm really excited to see some cool shorts and like the programming team that puts that together, like Peter Kaplowski and, and, and the rest of the programmers really just like always knocking it out of the park. I'm always excited to see what they uh, put on screen. Um, and like, and I don't know if they're doing the debates this year. I really hope they are. Yeah, Um, I don't know if they are either. I I don't know with, like, COVID. As someone who once participated in the debates. I have um, been challenged to a debate. Uh, Dave Lawson challenged me to a debate in 2019. Of course he did. In September 2019 at Fantastic Fest. During, who was fighting that year? Maybe it was maybe it was adam mortimer and josh uh at the air who um were Wait fighting that year that might have been the year before i don't remember so I, like, I i did it Wait. so they didn't so who they did didn't, you fight who did you fight i fought
0: the writer of the the sean william scott movie bloodline
1: or bloodline Bloodlines. something Blood. like that okay. um she, she what moved, was your what was your like What was your argument that you guys were debating? What were you debating? We were debating uh, what was the greatest uh, David
0: Cronenberg film. And and so I was arguing that The Dead Zone was David Cronenberg's best film. And she was arguing. No, not at all. Uh, I love the dead zone, and uh, but we did it in a different what way. She,
1: what was hers? What was we she didn't
0: actually. It? I wanted to do the fighting, but right. she didn't. So we only did the debate part. Oh, and gotcha. then so uh, Will uh, did you have Will
1: surrogate fight? Oh yeah,
0: Wilchester was my surrogate, and uh, <laughs> and he won. Oh no, did, he did. Did he win? I can't. No, I think he might have thrown the fight. I think he, he might have thrown. He fought the director of Bloodline. Got it. So okay, it cool. was my right. I wanted to fight. She didn't want to. So we did surrogates and it was a blast. It was either 2019 or 2018 when we did that. I don't remember which one. It might have been 2018.
1: That, I think it's 2018. That was the first year I went. And yeah. I think I missed the debates or I missed part of the debates. That year. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but Dave Lawson has challenged me to uh, uh, a fantastic debate, of which I will do. Whenever he's ready, whenever he's done parenting his child and wants to get wrecked, I'm throwing in the gauntlet right here again. Dave, here it is. Come at me. I'm ready for it. And, and, and that'll be the last thing I ever say, because he's going to snap my neck, because that dude... If he's drunk enough, we'll beat the living shit out of me. Uh, I I accept that. Will you, but will you engage in an axe battle with him? Oh uh, God, no. He's <laughs> taken me axe throwing and I'm
0: terrible at it. All I ever see of him now is, a- it's is just throwing axes. It's axe a throwing baby, or a baby? Baby and axes. Baby axe throwing. And then, I'm excited that we're finally going to get him back in a scripts gone wild later this year. So that's exciting. Very exciting. But um, yeah, he is a, uh, Oh, Dave! He's not going to be there this year, though, which is a bummer.
1: No, I know. Good sweet boy. Maybe he'll make. Maybe he'll make a last minute change, but I, I hope but, so. Yeah, I hope yeah, so. But and there's always next year. But yeah, yeah. Fantastic Fest. Great. So excited. So love what? Do you- the love the food. I like. I eat like trash the entire time, and uh, and like get to see and meet some amazing filmmakers. I've made like lifelong friends there. I can't wait i'm so excited to see friends that i haven't seen in a very long time yeah um and this will be gosh will this be the first in per- no i guess technically not i was on i went to palm spring short fest this will be my first feature fest in person me as that well. i've gone to as well. since sundance 2020 yeah same for me
0: i'm curious what do you think the opening night film is gonna be
1: I thought is it not announced I thought it was Titan. is it not no no I think Titan is
0: just it's just part of the schedule it's just part just, of the schedule yeah they Gosh. haven't announced well, opening well, night think... yet
1: because my oh, my first man. my initial impulse
0: was well my initial impulse was is because obviously they did Halloween as the opening night so I was like are they going to do Halloween kills but then part of me is like La- uh, last night in Soho is also getting released in October yeah, last night Soho could be Atlanta At- Atlanta's <laughs> antlers <laughs> yeah like those are the three to me that yeah, have popped glamour. in my head like i actually wonder too like my buddy chris devlin who wrote the new texas chainsaw massacre film my oh, thought yeah. was netflix maybe that will play they, that yeah too. netflix bought that today they sure did and so once i saw yeah. that i was like well that's certainly not going to be it well i mean well, it could not be not it
1: not necessarily they, they've had Netflix a, does a lot netflix. yeah they do a ton of netflix if i saw the um but, what what was the one out of spain uh, about the the levels. Uh, oh, the, the, platform. Second,
0: the platform. The platform. Yeah, yeah.
1: kind of like the penal colony.
0: colony. Well, oh. if if they if they were going to do it though, I would have already heard from Chris because Chris isn't going to go to Fantastic Fest this gotcha. year. If they were playing Chainsaw, he would certainly be there. Could and be so, a last minute.
1: You could know. be. Could be. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of. Hope-
0: I'm sort of hoping. Even though I didn't care for the first Halloween reboot, really, I'm kind of hoping for Halloween Kills. Um, it
1: looks fun. It looks yeah, like it. more fun and now like i think that now like i was i was i was pretty cool on the halloween reboot when i first saw it i was like all right that was fine you know that was yeah. okay cool and i love halloween that's it's one of my favorite franchises um it is like my second favorite franchise. scream is my all-time favorite horror franchise yeah. um but like halloween is is a very close second but um I think now that, like, we know what to expect from a David Gordon Green Halloween, then I feel like going into Halloween Kills, I feel like everybody's going to be like, okay, we know what we're getting into. There's going to be, like, two yeah. really stupid jokes. Like, I have peanut butter in my penis. Like, that nonsense. But, like, yeah. you know, I think that, um, I think now that we know, I think now we know what to expect. But, like, well, that could be. I don't, yeah, I could, it could be. You know, yeah I, I really hope it's at, at, atlanners i really hope it's atlanners
0: i would love it to be antlers because i've been so so excited about that film. i'm starting so a campaign to
1: to change the name to Antlers now
0: oh i think that's a fair campaign to start
1: yeah I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And, and <laughs> jesus christ
0: <laughs> um but yeah it's it's you said earlier it, it's like summer camp and and I'll, I'll harp on that a bit because i i started out like so the film festival I started out doing anything with was Sidewalk Film Festival in Birmingham, which right. is very tangentially tied to that was because just
1: this past weekend, right? Absolutely,
0: it was because Dan is so cool. always involved with Sidewalk, and yeah. Aaron has
1: been going. Aaron Hills has been I've going. I've never Sidewalk. been, and I've always wanted to go i always is, wanted to go to Sidewalk.
0: It's such a blast. It's so much fun. Yeah. Like I'm going to try to
1: go next year.
0: And it feels like summer camp. Like, it, it genuinely yeah. has that summer camp. Now, it's not like Fantastic Fest where it's one venue. It is a footprint festival. Sure. But, you know, um, it, it's just it's got this own feeling to it. And it, it's so unique. The closest I've come to feeling that was Fantastic Fest. And it is because you're there with all these people that you either – you either know them because they're your friends, you know them because you just know them from Fantastic Fest, or you know them because you're getting to know them that year at the festival. And so you're surrounded by all these people that you somehow know in this really tight space. It's going to be interesting to see how that works with everybody masked and all that stuff. But you're surrounded by all these people who are all there for the same reason you are. And it's Mm -hmm. a respectful audience. So people are respectful of the films and the filmmakers, which is incredibly so. And that it's just it's great. So I'm, anytime anybody ever asks me like, what's the film if I'm ever if I want to go to a film festival, which one I go to? I'm like Fantastic Fest. Go to Fantastic yeah,
1: Fest. Bar none, bar none. You go to Fantastic Fest, especially even if you're like even remotely interested in in genre film. Like, yeah. uh, like I've had some like really fun experiences. Um, uh, Josh Miller and I went to a, like a nine a.m. screening of that. Oh man. I don't know why I started this story because I know I'm not going to be able to remember the country or what it was but it was like a German or maybe Swedish like restoration uh, it was a restoration of this like Hungarian or Swedish animated film that was sort of like a tale it was a it was like a um, almost like a myth it was it was a, a, a myth I don't remember what it was and like I'm spacing down what it was and it's going to kill me but um like a a. 9am screening of that. And it was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen or seeing blood machines, you know, the shutter, um, uh, you know, long form music video, um, on the big screen. Um, you know, just, just, just like really like transformative screening experiences that like help remind me like why I love doing what I do and working in this industry and being a part of this community, like fantastic fest, kookalorus, um, are like, two of the festivals that like really like just gr- ingrain in me like oh this is why you do it this yeah. is why you do it you know? well
0: and you also it gives you the
1: opportunity to sort of discover people in
0: a in an interesting way because the very first totally. year very first year I went there and we were there for the babysitter murders the short mm-hmm. and we went and I and playing in the same block as babysitter murders was one of Gigi's uh, Guerrero's earliest shorts yeah. And that's how I first became aware of Gigi. And I I met Gigi at that festival. I also met Gigi at Fantastic. Yeah. And then so like the next year, Gigi was there again. It was like, oh, and then we got to know each other better. And of course, now Gigi's one of my favorite people. I think Gigi's incredible. And now she's got her, you know, she's got a feature playing this year. And it's like, it's just, it's cool the way you can see the filmmakers evolve through the course of the festival. and like.
1: And that's I been think the too. same way about, like, Fatal Collective, like, they, you know, they yeah. had their, their omnibus lead play, and, like, now they're doing some, like, really amazing stuff, um, you know, it's just cool to track those people, um, you know, because, like, I really think Fantastic Fest is a launching festival, I really yeah. believe that, you know? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely
0: it is, and, and, you know, and I've seen, I mean, for the most part, like, I've seen a shit ton of films there, because this will be my fifth year going, and... I mean, I've not seen a dud. I mean, I've seen films that I don't love, but they're certainly not duds. They're just films that don't connect
1: with me. I've never walked out of a movie at Fantastic Fest.
0: Now, I've fallen asleep from being too drunk before. That's different. Um, I, I, we, I, I remember the midnight screening of the the midnight press screening of The Witch that a lot of people went into who weren't press. And yeah. actually, it wasn't even a press screening. It was a staff screening that we all went to. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I, I kept dozing off and waking up, getting scared that's shitless a, and then dozing back off. That's easy,
1: like, I'm drunk, it's midnight. That's an easy movie to fall asleep to because, like, it is very quiet at times. I get it.
0: So I, I guess my last Fantastic Fest question for you is going to be, okay. because when I think of Fantastic Fest, the main thing I think of is drinking. Um, because, I mean, let's just be clear. That's a big part of it. What's Very the good. what's the drunkest you've ever been at Fantastic Fest?
1: Oh, and God. do you have any plans on topping that for 2021? <laughs> I feel like I have to at this point. Uh, you know, I feel like I have to top it. Um, the drunkest, I think, probably doing um, probably screeching um, teenage dirt bag in the satanic karaoke room uh and like at some point like ripping my shirt off i remember that happening i think i remember that happening uh um, it, yeah in the satanic like karaoke room but that, do you yeah. have
0: but do you given that do you have <laughs> two tickets to iron Baden baby
1: <laughs> come with me friday don't say maybe just, I had to throw in that very random Weedus reference, but that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, th- I definitely, I definitely could top that off. I mean, if, if I, if I can con my way onto the scripts Gone Wild uh, cast, then I can definitely top that. Oh, well, and yeah, I feel you don't like, have to con. I feel like, I feel like I've, I feel like I've earned my way just with my costumes on Sleepaway yes. alone. Yes,
0: yes. I, I don't think you have to earn your way into that rating. Um, <laughs> The drunkest I've ever, boy, the drunkest I've ever been was the very first year I was there. And I won't name who this person is because I'm sure you you know them and people who listen to this podcast know them. And I don't want to embarrass them. But let's just say I was in the middle of the Fantastic Feud. And um, was I, I can't remember if I was participating in it that year or just watching. But I can't, I think it was Luke Mullen or Brian, one who tapped me on the shoulder and was like, you need to come outside and deal with so-and-so. Because they are a problem. And so I ran outside, and this person was right out front of the draft house, laying on their back, projectile vomiting into the air. And so I was so I was so fucked up at that point already myself. Right. That and I now had to, you have to take care of this person. I had to take care of this person. So I, had to, I had to take them back to our apartment or our, that we were renting our Airbnb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I Airbnb. had to come all the way back, and I'm already so fucked up. And the moment I get back, this person, mother hen. this person at the highball, who I knew but didn't know their name and still don't know their name, was like, Hey, I want to buy you a drink. And I was like, Okay, sure. And so I, I go there, and he was like, Two Long Island iced teas, make them doubles. What? And I'm oh, like, shit. What? And so I literally, we get these drinks and we start drinking and all of a sudden out the corner of my eye someone else that i was there with is like waving me over and i'm like holy shit so i just downed the long island iced tea oh, and i run it's like over there 45 dollars worth of alcohol
1: within in fif- one drink
0: within 15 minutes i was so fucking drunk like i i just like I, so much of it is a blur all i know is that about an hour after that i was slap fighting with one of my friends, one of my friends who was staying at the Airbnb with us, we were doing the, you know, slap shot, and just going at it, and one of the girls who works at Fantastic Fest, who I will also not name, uh, but I'm sure everybody, I'm sure you know who this person is, Um, she's there with us, and at one point, we're all standing up around the counter, and she, like a robot, just shuts off, and is like, and standing (laughs) up, just like just how, on doesn't fall over, just like shuts off, like, and I'm like, Stand up, yeah, like, neck down. That's it. And so, uh, that that's, that's a long story, and I'm sure that nobody listening to this is getting a kick out of hearing me tell this story. <laughs> but that was the drunkest I've ever been at Fantastic <laughs> Fest. I hope Jesus. to top it this year. Um, yeah, that's my plan. I'm I, game to do that. Um, hopefully, it'll happen at scripts Gone Wild. If
1: not, it can happen anytime.
0: Because that's what I'm you gonna, do, I, yes.
1: I'm gonna do I'm going to do... I'm just going to, like, get... I'm going to have, like, a glass full... Like, a highball glass of uh, of just pure... Of just whiskey. And I'm just going to chug that the whole time.
0: Oh, so you're not going to let me buy you a Long Island iced tea? Oh, man. As long as they're doubles. As, oh, doubles? We're men. We can do triples. I don't think the high... I don't think the highball would make a triple,
1: but... I who think knows? if there was any place in Austin, Texas that would make a triple, it's the high wall that's, that's fair. A um, truly magical place. Well, hopefully Caleb and I have done a great
0: job of getting anyone who doesn't know about Fantastic Fest excited about Fantastic Fest. Yeah,
1: I just want to thank the like my four friends that I asked to listen to this for listening to this uh, all the way. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> Um,
0: yeah there I, I know there's i know they're gonna be there's a whole mess of folks out there who are gonna be listening to this and halfway through they're gonna be like what the fuck are they talking about they're also and, gonna be like who the fuck is this caleb guy <laughs> who's k who's caleb and um, i'll be like listen to the intro <laughs> god damn it listen to the intro um well tell me uh so you you've
1: got a fun new job but apart from that what exciting stuff do you have coming up anything yeah i mean all kinds of stuff man uh so uh we i just wrapped on a movie in mississippi with tyree skipson and terrence howard and lil yachty um that is will probably come out sometime next fall um, and it's called The System, and it is written and directed by this guy, Dallas Jackson. Oh, he did Thriller. In in- yeah, he did Thriller, yeah. He, um, we, pre-
0: we premiered that at the, the last year that we did LA Film Festival, we premiered Thriller. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. right, that's right, yeah. Um, and he also did the remake of Sudden Death, yeah. the Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, movie. Uh, yeah, he did Welcome to Sudden Death. Uh, And so he wrote and directed this movie called The System, which is basically about uh, this former special ops guy who, uh, you know, can't take care of his daughter because he's basically been neglected by the military and um, starts robbing trap houses, gets caught and arrested, and uh, the commissioner of this area that he's in, um, you know, it says like look i'll cut time i'll like i'll get you out of here but you got to go investigate this private prison for me i think they're doing some sketchy shit, and come to find out they're running these like illegal fight rings like fight clubs yeah. they're like pitting the prisoners against each other and so he gets caught up in this like fight yeah. ring and it's like so cool very fun and so we just wrapped on that like a month ago in mississippi um we just announced today uh i have a, a movie that's going into production actually here in wilmington so i'll be back here in north carolina in october um called one true loves which is sort of like a romantic drama um a la like nicholas sparks based on a best-selling novel by who's Taylor in that Blue. i just read something about that it's simu lu uh that's right uh, shang chi yeah, yeah and philippa right. su from hamilton and luke bracy from the point break remake and that movie holiday if you're a if you're a, a Netflix Christmas movie fan. Um, so that starts shooting in October. Um, we, have a, we have sort of like a family movie that's coming out in October called The Tiger Rising with Dennis Quaid and Queen Latifah. Um, I have a, a really cool like um, a shark movie that uh, is going into production in November in the Dominican Republic. I'm really stoked about wow. Black Demon. Uh, which is based on this like myth about uh, the tleiloc, uh which is um, this like mythological megalodon shark that like comes around every couple hundred years to like protect the ocean. Um, so all kinds of fun stuff, you know. Uh, but yeah, I you know I I started with Highland Film Group and uh, and our domestic releasing label, the Avenue, back in January, and it's been a roller coaster. Uh, we just got like an amazing team, and like we've all been like busting our asses during the pandemic before I even started, they did like eight movies during COVID and like not a single like outbreak uh, in the bunch. So uh, yeah, just knock on wood, just want to keep that trend rolling and finally see the end of this thing and, uh, you know, make some fucking movies. Well, those sound pretty rad. I especially like the first one, which sounds like a weird hybrid between
0: like Escape Plan and Walter Hill's Undisputed.
1: Yeah. actually not far off um god how did i how did i pitch it i was like it's it's like a cross between fight club and uh oh god what's the other movie uh oh god an american tale Fivel goes west Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's also starring uh, Jimmy Stewart in his last uh, role. I love right. Fava Goes West. I could talk about that. We could do an episode just on Fava Goes West. Oh, hold on. Wait a second. Have we just found out what our screen dress
0: topic is going to be? Are you a fan of the films of Don Bluth? Oh, I love Don Bluth movies. Yeah, I, we could, I, definitely, do a, I I could been, definitely
1: do a Don Bluth. Draft.
0: I have been pitching a Don Bluth draft for
1: a long time because I'm a I huge could do a Don fan. Don Bluth draft. I would definitely want to rewatch. It's been a long time, but like I could definitely do a Don Bluth draft. Yeah, okay. I mean,
0: because I mean, his filmography is not huge. I mean, it's, 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 it's it's a few, it's, you know, 10 films, but it's not huge. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's definitely it's sizable enough, yeah. doable. And oh yeah, yeah. A big Don Bluth. Film. There we go. Titan A.E. up in the house. Um
1: Anastasia. I, an, hey, Anastasia. Um, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Land Can't Before time. time. Are we counting the ones he was just like an animator on? As no, well? no, no, just okay. directing.
0: So okay, secret, se- secret of Nim. All Dogs Go to Heaven, Land Before Time, Uh, Five, or American Tale, Five Goes West,
1: uh, Troll in Central Park. Pem- I read something not too long ago that he was gonna do like a dragon's layer movie. I it, wonder if that ever happened.
0: It did not ever happen. I think he's no. so old. I think he's in his nineties now. He's yeah, he's pretty old. He's he had a
1: he was like he was like the cinematic or, or like the animation director on a PlayStation Two video game. I was obsessed with called I Ninja, uh-huh. uh, which is like a totally forgettable video game, but like I remember playing that shit for hours. But yeah, I could go on and on. Well,
0: I hope Don Bluth is listening to this and heard that random video game reference and will now agree to be on my podcast because <laughs> nothing would make me happier than to talk to Don Bluth about The Land Before Time for two Adrian. and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, surely he's available. Surely. Well, actually, sure. he's, what he's, over, he doing? I mean, he's over 90. I don't, know, I don't know what his health is like. <laughs> Who knows? I haven't heard about him in years, so you never know. Any, uh, anytime I don't hear from anybody in like 20 years, I'm like, are they okay? Yeah are they okay i've been doing
1: 10 year cutoffs if i don't hear from them 10 years i start checking it yeah. yeah um well caleb thanks for being on the show hey thanks for having me this was so much fun yeah absolutely uh, um, i love these movies so i'm glad uh, we got to talk about them well hell yeah and so a little plug-in um
0: so you can find us on the social medias at movies with gravy uh we're also on letterboxd uh which is unfortunately not very up to date, which hopefully I'll be able to get to. I move people. I've been I've been busy. Um, I'll You're get busy. the I'll get the letterbox up to date. Um, right now, I'm just trying to get us back on a weekly schedule. Um, so we will be back next week on November not November. It's not November. Jesus Christ, I've had a lot of rye. um it, We'll be back on September 10th with the next installment in our from top to bottom series, uh, where we go through the entire filmography of a filmmaker in 90 minutes. Uh, we did it a couple months ago. Uh, we did wow. Spike Lee with Ryan Marker from the Screen Dress Podcast. That's a long episode.
1: That's, it is.
0: Uh, that nine, is a lot of movies. And this, and next week, we will be diving into the filmography of Francis Ford Coppola with uh, Brian Cogman, the producer and writer of Game of Thrones. Um, so we're going to be diving into Francis Ford Coppola, which should be a lot of fun. He and Brian and I have been prepping for this for a while. So, uh Oof.
1: That's and, also pretty hefty. Are you just doing his directing? Just his directing, but everything—so okay. TV, film, anything can't wait that to hear he directed. You talk about Jack. Oh, yeah.
0: most people can't wait to hear us talk about Captain EO, the Michael Jackson oh uh, amusement park video yes. thing that he shot, which we're also going to be discussing. Oh my God, um, Captain e. is a lot. But, but yeah, you can uh, you can if you want to support us, uh, you can do so on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Movies with Gravy uh you know leave us a review on itunes because those are always helpful and rate review us there um i think that's kind of all the shop talk i mean yeah just uh if you like this just you know tweet about it and shit whatever you know whatever tweet about it totally yeah absolutely yeah um but yeah that's it thanks caleb thanks for doing this thanks for being here and shooting the shit with me
1: about random shit for two hours hey you're you're so welcome it's mostly what i like to do uh, and out of all the things and, um, you know, uh, I look forward to
0: getting drunk with you at Fantastic Fest. Can't wait.
1: I cannot wait.
0: Okay. Well, uh, goodbye, audience. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in next Farewell. time. And now I'm going to throw it to our end credits. And that's our show. If you like what we're doing here on Movies with Gravy, the fastest, easiest, most awesome way to support us is via Patreon. You can do so at the $1, $5, $10, or $25 level, and you get all sorts of awesome perks, including weekly Patreon-exclusive mini-reviews, special interviews, early access to bonus content, and voting power to choose some of the films we discuss on the show. Visit patreon.com slash movieswithgravy and sign up, and help keep us doing what we're having an amazing time doing. That's patreon.com slash movieswithgravy. And make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, so other folks know you like us. You can follow us across the socials, at Movies with Gravy, and we hope you do. Movies with Gravy was conceived of, produced by, and hosted by me, Billy Ray Bruton, and the theme song is Country Roses by Flannery Miles and me, Billy Ray Bruton. And remember, movies are great, but they're better with gravy. Y'all come back now, you hear? Country Roses, blessed songs, mommy's here, daddy's gone.